Coming up on a bumper episode of the Big Footy Podcast tonight, we talk all about the big issues affecting the AFL. Are you ready for a gay footballer? Is depression a really big issue? Are Carlton that bad? And later on in the podcast, we talk all things St Kilda and the Extra. All that and more, coming right up. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O And on that farm he had some ducks, E-I-E-I-O With a quack quack here and a quack quack there Here a quack, there a quack, everywhere a quack quack Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Footy Podcast for yet another week, another big week in footy with me tonight. I have a who's what of the uh, Big Footy board. I've got Cookson from the St Kilda board. I come with no added preservatives or flavours. We came prepared as well, and Happy Dude is back from the Carlton board, this time for a full run. I'm just going to say hi. <laughs> and uh, Seppo is back from the Fremantle board. Good evening, gentlemen. And coming to us from the dark reaches of Glen Ferry Oval, we have Messenger. Ah, uh, people. It's a beautiful world right now, isn't it? <laughs> Why is it beautiful, Messenger? Humor us. Oh, Wookie. Well, Wookie, it was a great night on Friday night, but there were a couple of things that disturbed me. And, 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 and I flicked on the TV on Sunday night, and I thought Fox Footy had made a, a terrible mistake in their programming. I thought it was footy flashbacks and we were watching a Carlton Essendon game from the, the mid-noughties. Uh, it was, the scoreboard was just, it was appalling. I was waiting to see Digby Morell lead from the forward line, David Teague shank one from the halfback flank and any number of a plague of hands we put up with in the last decade. But then I looked in the coach's box and I saw Mick Malthouse. I swore it would have been Dennis Pagan up there. And I realised, Carlton were doing a heritage round. We're going back to the noughties, people. Memory lane. <laughs> you know, you know what's just lacking when the team that's winning supporters go home at halftime. Yes. <laughs> and, and one other thing, I mean, we've, we've picked on hair. In my most recent visits, we've talked about people's haircuts, but I don't think this can go unnoticed. The Collingwood cheer squad, and I, all the, the, the cheerleaders, I guess they are, a group of a group of young men and women who seem to be having synchronised epileptic fits at key moments in uh, Collingwood running on the ground. Really, Eddie, it has to stop. Stop it believe now. It, believe it or not, there's a worse idea that's come out this week. What's that? <laughs> well, some wise moron at the St Kilda Football Club decided let ask people to dress up like farmyard animals. <laughs> No, they cannot be true. That's going to be the worst idea since I saw since I went to a North Melbourne game and they tried to set off what looked to be fireworks indoors at Eddie Had. <laughs> <laughs> so, Did... so you're telling me you're telling me that you're invited to dress up like a pig. <laughs> Tiger appreciation <laughs> round. Dress <laughs> yeah, as a pig so, and go. We, is this to go to training? I don't know. I just think it's we want school to make holidays. It. I pray it's just for the school kids. If I see an adult dressed like that, I want their membership stripped. I want them shot. I will go hunting this week. 
and not hunting uh, for crows. Surely oh. we want to see a photo of young Tarquin being taken down to Eddie Head dressed as an alpaca. <laughs> <laughs> The animal enclosure will be back at Marab. <laughs> Here we go. The animal enclosure was synonymous with Marab and a standing room only area fit for the most ardent and passionate Saints fans, and now we are recreating it with a twist. With, with seven-year-olds <laughs> dressed as chickens. No, 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 no. Not just kids. All passionate Saints fans. So the seven of them will dress up it's... in their most outrageous animal costumes for our round four clash against Adelaide at Etihad Stadium. And when we say outrageous, we mean uh. outrageous! <laughs> <laughs> from from yeah. gorillas yeah, to really elephants... They not their chances that much, so they have to distract Adelaide. <laughs> Tigers! animals everywhere. I tell you... That, that... Send in the clowns. There's some, people, in... There's some r- people in the Richmond cheer squad that didn't fit right in there, and they without dressing up at all. Is this a PR stunt for diversion of on-field uh, activity and performance? <laughs> hey, hey, none of that. We've been doing pretty well. Oh, yeah. That's that's fantastic. Oh yeah. That's, um, yeah. That's... <laughs> All right. We're gonna on that note. We're gonna move into our highlights from uh, round three, and uh, I guess we'll take it away with Cookson. Ooh, highlights. Let's see. Well, I've got two. Step one. First one is Luke Dunstan with 29 disposals, two goals, and some other stats I can't remember, but still. <laughs> Pick 18. Sort of steal. And then number two would probably also be myself being personally vindicated as on this podcast last week I called Richmond versus Western Bulldogs to be a game of the round, and it delivered. <laughs> I'm a prophet. <laughs> He's so proud of it. Happy dude, what was your highlight of the round? I really enjoyed the uh, the Bulldogs-Richmond game. That was quite good, actually. Um, nice driller towards the end. Uh, yeah, that's probably my biggest highlight. Oh, yeah, and any any round Collingwood loses is a good round. Yeah. Messi? Oh, look, I love Friday night. It had it all. Winning, winning, more winning, goals, winning. It had lots of good stuff. Seppo would agree with me. Yes. Well, just... it's funny you say that. My highlight of the week was actually watching a brilliant performance from the Hawks. Now, wouldn't usually say this being the opposition and just being beat, but I sat there for the first half in awe of how well the Hawks played. Not, not to say that we performed crap, but the way that Hawks dismantled us and really put us on the back foot and it was almost a foregone conclusion after half time and we did wrestle it back but as a highlight just watching how well and how lucky some of those goals were and the way they played and what a show Cyril put on that was actually uh, my highlight for the round you know taking my purple glasses off it was a good night the checks in the mail said oh, that was fantastic thanks <laughs> mate that's yeah. my highlight for the round uh, it was Gold Coast win over Brisbane um, I, look I had a few to choose from uh, given my team was abominable <laughs> and I'll get to that in a moment. But, uh, I mean, Adelaide lost. That's a win for me, really. Collingwood lost. That's always a win. But, Richmond uh, lost. Sorry? Richmond lost. Richmond. That's right. That's a win. I mean, these things are all wins, really. But uh, for me, the big one's Gold Coast win over Brisbane. They did it well. They did it in style. And uh, I, just, I, I think uh, that they are firming up to be very good uh, for the rest of this year. No, are the Hawks going to win the flag, Messi? Too soon to say. Too soon to say. But look, they, they're they playing good football with a number of 
key players out and uh, they're in a, a relatively difficult part of their draw at the start. So, look, I don't think you could ask much more than what they're doing right now. All right, well, let's head to the round three ladder and take a quick look at what we've got. The West Coast Eagles are on top. Uh, I'm not sure that really means anything at the moment, guys, given who they've played. Not for long. They'll get a good touch-up this and week so against Geelong. I, I Knock them, off their, Knock them yeah. off their perch. They don't deserve to be sitting 200%. And after soft three opponents, when you really look at it, I think they're just about to get a reality check. And Hawthorne and Geelong just nudge above them. Yeah, Hawthorne have uh, also undefeated. They've got Gold Coast this week. Uh, now, I remember last year's game against Gold Coast, Messi. Um, last year's game? Yeah. Right. And I remember you. I, I remember it was pretty close up until about three-quarter time. I, and that was at the MCG too. I, I do remember, recall Bricksburg chat at some point. I, in that I game. remember talking to you on the podcast the week after, and you were just like, oh, I was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it, it was not a happy day. It was not a happy day, but they, they, they did not play well at all that day. Um, I would expect something a little better from them at Metricon Stadium. Now, Geelong, we, do we have, by the way, do we need a cool nickname for Metricon Stadium? Now it's becoming a, you know, like like that the, the House of Pain or whatever they call, used to call Subiaco. I've... Think the I think they're quite happy to call it Metricon at the moment. The Furnace. Call the, the Furnace. See, the Suns. Knowing the AFL, though, and the way that they're marketing like GWS and the Gold Coast, it's going to be something lame if they were to do something like that. It would be the house of mild discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> when the Suns play up there, it, they, play up with a bit, they play with a bit of soul. Seriously, between the Q-Clash... The, wow. the, the solarium. Like they just—I don't know who's in marketing down at the AFL, but they've really just royally screwed up marketing these two new teams. Yeah, Seriously. I wouldn't be surprised with the solarium. That is a good name. Watch the Suns bake team at That's, the solarium. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Pack some SPF fifty. <laughs> the Hawks are going to get a tan this weekend. <laughs> James Hurd will love that. <laughs> Yeah, if, if they could develop a ground that would give him an erection, he'd be even happier. Yeah, that, instead of ripping shreds off the opposition, they'll peel shreds off them. <laughs> oh, they'll blister in the sun. Yeah. Now, coming in third, we've got uh, Geelong. They're also undefeated. They've got West Coast this week. Um, perhaps uh, a, a chance to get ahead if uh, Hawthorne fail. Game of the round. You reckon? Game of the round. That that could be Geelong a... West Coast at Skilled Stadium. Yep. No, that's going to be a smashing. Yeah, no, yeah I agree. That'll be a big smashing. I think it's a foregone conclusion. You can put Geelong in the book for a win. I think that's a reality check that uh, West Coast yeah. need to have. Yep. Yeah, Geelong will win by over forty points. All right, coming in fourth, Essendon. Uh, Who knows? Two Essendon. and one. That, they've got Fremantle this week. No, I reckon no. I'll win that. And I think that's it, no way. Now. No, it, th- Fremantle got them. I know, I know I haven't got Prosecutor on tonight, but they've got a fairly uh, big thing to look forward to. I think tomorrow? Is it, is, is, it, is it tomorrow or the next couple of days when Asada hand down their findings? Oh, is... Manana, Manana. We keep hearing about this. This It'll never happen. There is a deadline for this. next week. It just never comes. There is a deadline for this, apparently, of April the 15th. Yeah, tomorrow's the dank. Ah. So yeah. the dank tank will open up. Uh, well, we look, we look forward to uh, nothing happening there. Port Adelaide coming in fifth. Uh, they've had a reasonably good start to the season. 
they will do all sorts of despicable things to Brisbane. And they it is will, an Adelaide Oval as well. It will be, you will not actually be allowed to take your children to that game. It'll be <laughs> virtualised children. This is really, this could be awful. I think that'll put them into third at the end of this round, uh, given I expect um, West Coast to falter. Yeah. And Port could have really been three and zip. You know, that was a yeah. loss to North. They really should be right up there in, in place of West Coast. That was a 50-50, that one. Yeah, yeah. and Monfrey's running into an open goal and pulling a hamstring now, as well. You can take the boy out of Essendon. can't take Essendon out of the boy. <laughs> or the, yeah, or the exactly. yeah. Now, here's the interesting part about the bottom part of the eight. We've got GWS and Gold Coast sitting at 6th and 8th respectively. I don't know if anyone could have foreseen that. And every chance that GWS might pull a win sorry, against uh, Western Bulldogs here, but I don't think the Suns, they could finish up around this at season end, but there is a chance that, you know, these guys will be sitting mid-table if they do have, you know, I don't know what the full fixture is like, but keep on going the way they are without, you know, fading off what they... Have in the past, you could see maybe not GWS, but Gold Coast sitting around this yep. position seasons in. Yeah. So, and, uh, sorry, you say? Well, they're not easy beats anymore. And when everyone says, "Oh, GWS, Gold Coast, oh, easy four point," we can't bank on that anymore. Like you underestimate them, you will get, you will lose. I think so. I think yeah, the days of taking them for granted—they've got their crap together, their players are fit, and working well together. It's it's, and they're not small players. <laughs> they're not the skinny easy beats. That Carlton are, um, it's it's just yeah it's 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 phenomenal. Bringing up the bottom of the ladder though, guys. Uh, just skipping through all the guys that hang around the middle of the table and don't do anything. Uh, Melbourne uh, probably not going to add to their uh, tally of wins for the season. Uh, no clash of the titans there. <laughs> you you will not be able to take your children to this game. You'll have to avert your eyes. This is this could be. Horrific. Have you got Horrific. like a phrase book in front of you for the week or something? <laughs> no, no, no. But really, having watched, well, I watched the Carlton game, and, and I, I've got to say, I, it, I was embarrassed for Carlton, oh. and uh, to see them play Melbourne, I, I, I mean, Carlton. If Carlton don't win this, this, this it's disastrous, isn't it? Surely. Yeah. Oh, it is absolutely. Four yes. zero uh, start to the season. You just don't come back from that. I don't think. Oh. I reckon yeah. almost the list managers of Carlton are looking at this and, and tempted to rename this the Cruiser Cup or some type of priority pick um, action here between Carlton and Melbourne and we could get some first signs of early season tanking for this uh, last position on the ladder. The Brisbane Lions, oh, sorry, Adelaide Crows coming second from the bottom of the ladder there. Something of a surprise, I think, for many of us. Yeah, they've just... They're no. really missing Walker and just... I've been watching their games. They're pretty much offering their best player no support whatsoever. Like, Dangerfield's getting smashed, pillar the post, and it's just, eh, whatever. You've also got to look who the three opponents that Adelaide have played. You know, they've just come a loss against losses against, what, Geelong, Port, and Sydney, and all three of those sides will be there. So I expect to see Adelaide at the end of the season, you know, mid-table or just in that group fighting for that last spot. But it probably is a look a bit odd where they're sitting at the moment, but expect after another two or three rounds. I'm not sure who their next opponents are, but you expect Kilda. To, Yeah, well, you expect it to level out and at least sit a bit higher than where they are now. St Kilda and Melbourne, and you... I don't know, St Kilda are a chance here. Yeah, I reckon they are. We've won... Narrowly. 
They haven't been to any app since 2000 and whatever, and the last time they were here, we smashed them by 100 points and ended Neil Craig, so... Mm. Well, Adelaide's run gets much easier from here. They've got St Kilda, yeah. they, they've got, they host GWS, they've got uh, Western Bulldogs at Etihad, and then they've got Melbourne at Adelaide Oval in the next four weeks. But I tell you what, the, the thing is though, teams that should be their peers, if they're serious about making the finals, they've been clobbered by them. Mm. I mean, They've been absolutely poleaxed by them, yeah, and and that's the problem. It's not that they've lost a couple of close ones to teams in their midst. They've been comprehensively spanked, and they've got nothing to kick to. Okay, Brisbane Lions, uh, they're coming in sixteenth. They're also winless. They've got Port Adelaide and Adelaide Oval this weekend. That's not going to uh, help them. And Daniel Rich has gone for the year. Yeah, poor guy. Which is a terrible shame. And but, uh, uh, they're. Bringing up the uh, unwinnable teams down at the bottom there is obviously Carlton, uh, who haven't been able to win, but they might be able to get up over Melbourne if we're lucky. And that's a big might. It is a big might at the moment. No, it's not. Surely not. That, oh. that has to be a moral. No. They've got to win this. See, Carlton have everything to lose by not with if, if they don't win this, you can pack it in for the season. If you want to have a flutter on a... Um, a nice, uh, tasty odds. Melbourne, I think, we're paying about $4.50, I think, which, <laughs> the way that Carlton are going, it'd be every chance to... Uh, no way. See, on them. Here's, here's, here's the thing, right? I, I spent... Um, I, I watched the game on Sunday night, and Robbie Warnock was... <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. ...comprehensively smashed around the ground by two guys who normally don't play in the ruck at all, and, uh, I mean, it's not quite having, you know, Trent Ormond-Allen at the centre bounce, but it is, um, it is well, Stuart Carlisle and... Uh, Joe Danaher, I think. Joe Danaher, who, you know, Joe, I've only played 10 games in my life. Danaher... And plays like a baby giraffe. Is, uh, you know... And, wa- and weighs 45 kilos. These, these guys are taking marks, they're running around the ground, they're kicking goals. Essendon are thinking of trying to do the same thing against Sandalands this week. Now thinking that they've... You know, they found the Holy Grail. It won't work. Well, hang on. Well, hang on. And, and that, that is not the dumbest thing you've ever heard because, and Seppo will be able to account for this too, but last week they ran off, they ran off Sandilands at every opportunity. They made Sandilands run into, the, into Hawthorne's forward line and they basically kicked it to Hale whenever they could and they made him accountable. And I don't see why that wouldn't work. And I think that's exactly what they did to Warnick. Mm. I, I, the I reason just think... I'd actually throw Segler in, you know, fed him to the wolves, almost just concede it yeah. and focus on it. And it, it's funny, like how Warnock, I'm not sure if he actually won many of the hitouts, but if you throw a crap Ruckman, all you have to do is get your midfielders to actually watch the dominant Ruckman, read the taps, and already you're ahead of the game because you know where it's going to go if you're, you're watching the better Ruckman. The worst part for yeah. me, though, is I spent, after the game the week before, where he, uh, he actually did quite well, I thought, to the point where I, I I actually picked him as my uh, best on ground for the game the week before against uh, Richmond for Carlton. And uh, I may have waxed lyrical about it on the Blues podcast midweek. No, I don't believe you. No, I did. <laughs> you <laughs> called I, him I, a lamppost last year. <laughs> and, yeah, and no, it, I, you could have knocked me over with a fruit. It, he, like. I, I honestly thought he was, he was good on the ground. He took a mark somewhere in the game. He was shocking that his shots were goal, but I expect that from Ruckman. And this week he was just back to good old Robbie, the lamppost. And I... <laughs> Uh, it is just. Well, we would have done better with Kane Ackland. 
we would have done. <laughs> see, here's the thing. Okay, here's here's what I come back to. At least guys like uh, Cloak, who I hated when he rucked at Carlton, but at least he could mark and kick a goal if we needed him to. Chris Bryan. Chris freaking Bryan. Yeah, but these guys, guys like Warnock and uh, and Sean Hampson to a degree, they're the ones who I think this game is quickly phasing out. Guys who can who whose only role is to go into the middle and be a tap ruckman. If you're no good below your knees, if you're no good with in the forward line, if you're no good running onto the ball, I reckon your 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 days are number. I reckon your ticket's punched almost in this yeah. game. Yeah. I think it's not it's not the nineties anymore. No. He's not the nineties were really you know, you could be a big boy, you could be a Paul Sam, you could be a Justin Madden, you could be a Sean Wren, you know, you could you could stand in the middle, win your taps and then, you know, lope around and Guys like Madden and Salmon would have still had a role it's Justin Madden who would have got a game in this generation. Yeah, he's the one who played for Carlton, or that's a. Yeah, he's the one who played for Carlton, but but it's guys like that, and and maybe oh, I don't know about Ren, but the thing but, is, you need more than one string to your bow, don't you? You can't just yes, go, okay, I'm yes, a tap ruckman, that's me. Yeah. I'm very good at the tap. Pick me for that reason. I can't run or do anything else, but pick me for the tap. You can't do that anymore. No, you can't be a liability at something else. And yeah. and they're going to move away from that more and more. You know, with interchange caps, they're probably going to come down again at some point in the future. It's you just and that the game is more athletic, and if you can get more flexibility, and if you can put a two hundred centimeter running guy in there, a la you know Joe Danaher, or, or Blitz, well less I don't know Blitzarves is a bit of a uh, hit and miss for me. He, he can run, but I don't rate him as a ruckman to be honest. Well, I, I reckon that as Lee Matthews was talking about, I think he probably overstated it. It really doesn't matter if you get the hit out if you don't get the clearance. The, okay, so, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll grant that. Is it time for? Sorry, is it time for Malthouse to uh, pull the ace up the sleeve and get Cameron Wood out? He can't do any worse. Oh. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I wanted him to play. I think we'd be better off personally playing Rowe and Casbolt, and it gives us more flexibility. Casbolt can ruck. He's done it before. He's done it in the VFL. He's a better option than Wood for my for my liking. But I, I, I wouldn't be against Wood coming in. If Wood, if Wood can get up, he's got better penetration than Warnock. <laughs> so many puns. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think all, I, th- I think it comes down to that we are missing. We're going to miss Cruiser for that role where he does get the clearances and he does do the stuff on the ground and he does run around a little bit and he does take the odd mark. Well, this but, is a chance you're coming up against yeah. Melbourne and their ruckman aren't exactly considered best Existing. in the league. So yeah, existed. <laughs> They've still got Spencer, who's actually competent. Mm. Spencer is competent. He, he can play. I just want to ask you about cruisers. At the risk of making this the Carlton podcast redux. Well, I was about to move on, but you can keep... But, you but know, just you... want to ask you about Cruiser, because he's obviously had just had surgery again. It's a fifth metatarsal fracture that's refractured after the finals. I mean, you guys must be terribly worried that he's never going to be what he was. I mean, in fact, I think I heard an interview with... Um, Peter Larkins, and they just said straight out, "Is he ever going to be what he was?" And he said, "No, that's it. Like you know, you, you've got a, a diluted version of him from here on in." I, don't I mean, think, you must be terribly worried about that. I don't think he ever got to where I expected him to get in the first place, based on his rating. To he be, nearly got there, then he did his knee. Since then, to be perfectly honest, I think he showed plenty of glimpses, but without ever actually taking that. You know, he he could have been Dean Cox. 
not w- without being Dean Cox himself, because that would be some sort of like multi personality disorder type thing. But he he could have been a Dean Cox type. There's no reason he couldn't have been. Mm. But he just never quite took that step that was needed to become that guy that could you know that could kick goals, that could take marks, that yeah, could I'm, ruck I'm really well. Close. He got his knee. He, yeah. I mean, a couple of there. knee injuries will do that to you though. Yeah. Well, this is true. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, I want to move on, yeah, guys. And uh, the big question I want the big question of the week, I guess, uh, thanks to uh, none other than John Ralph. And uh, I'll, I'll direct this question to Seppo for no reason. Um, just arbitrarily picking people that haven't spoken for a while, so there's nothing in this. But uh, Seppo, is the AFL ready for a gay player? Oh, pick on the purple guys. Thanks, guys. That's a well-known day 13, Fred. There's nothing wrong with it, Seppo. It's all above board, you know. Oh. You don't, you, you don't have to come out if you don't want. <laughs> No, is the oh. AFL ready for a gay player, guys? What's what's their thoughts on this? I think yes, but no. I think yes, <laughs> in terms of some way that they're like, oh, it's a gay player, blah, 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 in knowing that the fans, let's be honest, the fans will go, you're an effing faggot all the time. Let's be realistic. It will happen. Like, I think just, we're ready for it, but we're not. It's just... If that makes complete. Oh, I can see the benefits. Like, if the club are, and I know all these clubs today, not clubs, but um, different codes have come together and created the anti-homophobic message, or whatever the um, the main sort of take was. Um, obviously to fight it and everything. It, it's interesting if a, if an AFL player comes out and sort of gets support. I can sort of see it working, but it's how you change that sort of behaviour of everyone's view on it and how it would feel filter through to, you know, state level and, and down to local level and everything like that, that would it encourage it? How long before you start changing people's behaviour and opinions and view and, and, and how sort of, you know, almost political, you know, the crowds could get and and how it would actually shape the whole sort of fan involvement or, you know, supporting groups and so many things that could sort of come out of it and it just seems like a long slow drawn out process and it could have happened you know 10 years ago or even more but it's it, yeah timing of it I don't know could ha- could happen in the next few years um, but it's very interesting how they're going to change people's perception of it I think play, I think playing groups are probably far more ready for this sort of thing yes. than fans the fans and I think you also remember that I mean I mean I'm Wookie and I are both old and Woody Wookie's obviously quite old but um, these are young men and, and they and it's a different generation and and they're far more free thinking about these things and I, I think you'll find that there's probably a number of players who are within the playing group known to be gay and it's just one of those things that you deal with and and, and it's not it's not a it's not a big deal for these guys and, and I think it's going to be a big deal for the fan it's going to be you know the big deal for the, the guy guys in the VFL at the outer who um, who have perhaps a, a more um, conservative view about these things but I, I think within the club structure I don't think it's going to be an issue it's going to be how that fan interface goes and and really you got there's an opportunity for the first player that comes out against it they're on the wrong side of history they yeah. are absolutely on the wrong side of the history and they'll be excoriated for it. And, and I, I think you'll find within the club environment, it's going to be fine. Here's, here's my question, Rob. We've never, ever, 
even remotely seen any coverage in the tabloids, in the media, on TV. I don't even think the rumor file has like the the, the rumor files or the the big footy rumor board or any of those places where you would find such things. I don't think anyone's even seen a sign that someone's gay. What if they're? they're I, what, I, I I think they're um, ready for it. It's just the whole bringing up the article in the first place just, just shows that, that they're quite not. What if there are no gay players in the AFL? Do you think that's likely? Well, there's not even a hint. 650-odd men. Look, the statistics yeah. say that, you know... Is it 1 in 25 or something? Yeah. Or? But that's that's 1 in 25 across society. That's not 1 in 25 footballers. It yeah, is true. entirely possible that there aren't any gay footballers. I mean, Ian Roberts came out in the NRL, what, 20 years ago? 15 years ago? Yeah. Um, there's been... It's not exactly trailblazing to come out in a man's sport now and be gay. Oh. In, oh, they're having a big issue about it in the NFL, I think, last year. Yeah, sure, that's the NFL. But this is this has happened before in Australian sport. This is not... It's probably also reflective worldwide sport because just I can't remember any openly gay cricketers. I can remember one openly gay soccer player out of... That's from about 100... Yeah. Which is a and, lot more, and, and he committed suicide. By yeah. the way, um, there was um, the the guy in the in the NBA that, that came out, um, but uh, he came out last year. Yeah. And there's a young college guy who's due to be drafted in the who could be drafted in the NFL who's come out openly gay. I I just think within that group of people who are in their sort of the 18 to 25, I don't think this is as big a deal as it is for for perhaps people of. Our generation and Wookie, yeah. how old are you? Sixty-seven or something like yeah, that. Yeah, at least Wookie? at least sixty-seven. Me and Noah, yeah, and we built the ark and stuff. I thought it was close yeah. to four hundred, being a Wookie. Yeah, it? yeah, um, yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, me and Messenger were out there cutting trees down and herding animals in for Noah and stuff. But uh, absolutely, yeah. But I mean, it was that, a good time. I mean, it's yeah, it was a great time, I must say. <laughs> and, yeah, thank you. For allowed to pick out with your daughter, but. Um, <laughs> But yes. The, the, but I mean, really, I think it is a generational thing, and I really think it'll happen in the next couple of years, and there'll be a bit of huffing and puffing amongst some older media guys and some fans. And you know what? It's going to be nothing. It's going to be. No, it's just going to be the way of life. I mean, we're in our working environments. We all work with gay people. We all know gay people, and you know. Who gives one? Really, seriously. The only thing I see in, in comparison, it's very hard to sort of look at this. Um, the only thing I can see is the even the current issues we're still having with racism and fans, you know, stuff being hurled over the fences. And even though it's been put in for so long trying to stamp it out and everything, I think, you know, if this, you know, if a player does come out, they're on the field, even though there'll be so much about education. And like I said before, the clubs will handle it all well internally. Um, but I still think, you know, there might be things outside or, you know, a culture shock or people just not adjusting with it in terms of outside the, the actual football yeah. world. Yeah, you'll, you'll never get rid of sledging like that over the fence Ooh. from supporters. Um, I don't think ever. Like, people would still bring up issues yeah. um, that have been totally out of society for, like, 20, 30 years. But when you get to a competitive environment and football game and temperatures, um, like, tempers start to get a bit high people start saying stupid things like that. And I'm glad the way they're handling it now that, you know, if someone 
um, through a club, you know, they've got their membership, it's been revoked and they've been banned. And I think the, almost the same yeah. approach, a harsh approach would need to be taken for that type of thing. If it, you know, if we are going to say we're ready for this, you know, an AFL player to come out, it's just, you know, the whole homophobic and fighting um, for the AFL support is really what they've got to take that approach. What and I think fans are more likely now to turn around and point the finger at some, somebody who said something wrong. Yeah, we've yep. seen yeah. it with racism, and I know, and I, I think if you said if this player, for instance, was a Fremantle docker and an opposition fan at Patterson Stadium stood up and said, "You effing this, effing blind," I reckon you'd have ten thousand people turning around pointing at this bloke, and and yep. it would be, I think they'd be quicker to do that than they do with the racist stuff. Yeah, I, I really think it, people are going to be on the wrong side of history if they if they, you know, kick up. About this, it's it's just the way it's a way of life, and people just need to accept it and move on. Yeah. Okay. The other thing um, I just wanted to bring up quickly before we move on: what what about people that say that it, who cares if they come out or not? Like, why should they come out? It's a it's a personal thing, not not something that really affects football per se. I mean, do we really need to know? No. No. Don't don't need to know, but probably just more for them. Um, If they feel like they can't come out, it's more restricting and like they have to keep something like hidden away from themselves. It's not like they have to run down the street waving a giant flag and screaming it. All they like, you know, just being open about it is more. I just I know I I would like I would like to point out that I'm not actually against gay people coming out in the AFL. I'm merely just expressing, making sure we get all our viewpoints across here. But you can send all your PMs to Messenger. And uh, he will he will happily uh, handle all your I don't think we're going to have an all stars game, you know, straights versus gays, in you know the next five years. Like uh, the other big issue that came up this week, guys, was uh, Mitch Clark's retirement due to depression. Um, last year, we did an interview with uh, Jeff Kennett. Actually, the Collingwood board specifically did an interview with Jeff Kennett, which was kind of ironic, really. But um, uh, all about uh, depression at. at and talking to the guys at uh, Beyond Blue, how how big how big an issue is this? Do you think? And should he come back? Should he be? Are we expecting him to come back in the future? Uh, I think, don't... from my take, listening to the way the few media spokesmen, um, players, and I think I can't remember the name of the um, the official from Melbourne that talked about it. It's just really good to hear that the you know the first priority and only priority is about the players' health, mm. and just know that they're treating this in the right way and. It riled me up when I heard comments in the, um, I don't know if it was a journal or a reporter asking about the, you know, the financials and saying, oh, you know, what is his contract going to be paid out and what's it going to do to the cap? And, and just hearing that stuff really annoyed me that, you know, they're not really focusing on the um, the, the issue and it is all about his health and it sounds like a serious um, issue, you know. I haven't really looked into it too much and, and I'm almost tempted to, you know, want to read up and and get onto this Beyond Blue thing, or listen to the um that podcast that you just mentioned with mm. um, Jeff Kennett. Um, so it's certainly um, increasing awareness. You know, with this type of thing and being well publicised, it's um, probably good. And hopefully, if you know any other you know, players, might not be as um, sort of big and as uh, Mitch Clark, but um, you know, anyone right through the AFL system, you know, I hopes. I hope this um, sort of highlights the um, importance of it and they're not going to sort of just sit in the, in the dark and actually do something about it. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you entirely, but just also on that, it's just, it's just shame for Mitch Clark and it's a shame all around for everyone because he was a good player and 
what I personally believe how it happened, I'm not entirely correct on it, is just, just the injuries gave him self-doubt and just built from there, which is just a shame. And also remember Justin Kaczynski last year about round on Triple M talking about what well, his football and how the injuries built up makes you feel less of a man. Uh, I believe, I think I'm paraphrasing you, but less of a man just made him feel not all that positive and sometimes he didn't want to get out of bed sometimes he didn't want to play football and you also add in fan sledging it's just like we all say but football can be incredibly harsh but it's not important at all in the grand scheme of life it's the most important least important thing but in the context of humanity it's just it's an escape that's what it is it's just not important so I wish Mitch Clark all the best and Hopefully you can be back racing the fields. I think um, I, I just want to explore this just a little bit further before we move on, but I, I don't understand depression personally. I've, I've never understood it. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not saying this to be uh, to come across like a bastard, but I've never believed. Like per, a couple of months ago, I never believed that uh, depression was actually a real illness. I was one of those people that were brought up. Uh, believing that things were brought to you by demons and things, you know, I was one of those people. One of the one of the jeebus people, as it were, and, and for me to understand what de- depression is about was just—it's it, very hard. It was very hard for me to comprehend, and I've, I'm still not sure I get what these people go through. But to you know, I can no longer say that it's not a real illness. Like the, these people go through a very hard time, and it, it absolutely must be taken seriously. Yeah, um, big time. I've um had to deal with it, uh, the end results on like this sort of issues before um, and I know a couple of people that have gone through it as well and it's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, as uh, Cookson just mentioned before, AFL isn't the most important thing in the grand scheme of life and I'm glad he's taken the right steps to sort of remove himself from a stressful situation that would be trying to you know, really push himself hard to get back on the AFL field, um, even whether or not that could be the cause of um, the source of his depression. Um, is irrelevant, but it would still add stress to to him trying to get over this issue. Um, a lot of the time, it's just uh, can result in a chemical imbalance uh, within dolphins within your brain, and you just don't uh, take joy in anything that you normally would anymore in most cases. But it's, it is a serious issue, um, and I reckon anyone who's suffering from such illness should be able to take leave from the club, and whether they can return or not, I hope he can, because it's obviously something he's passionate about and something he's good at. But if he cus- if he doesn't, um, hopefully he can get himself right, uh, and that'll just be a sad thing for him. Mm. One thing I, I heard about is yeah, just talking about general player welfare and being. It's great to see that the. Um, clubs do have those people working behind the scenes and the players going through their sort of daily review and how they're feeling and everything and it makes me think about you know my own club players guys like Morabito that have been out of the um, system you know dying to play and having reoccurring ACLs and um, who is it as well um, is it Duncan or uh, Geelong Menzel sorry yeah Um, players that have had long reoccurring injuries you just hope that this the long reoccurrence and you know striving to want to play AFL and, and being held back by injuries you just hope, hope that that doesn't cause or trigger this type of um, a depression in players and you just hope that they're doing the right things behind them and, and the player making the call you know when, when it is time to sort of stop and take away from it 
Okay, guys, thank you very much uh, for your serious discussions this evening. We're going to move on to this week's games. Switch tack just a little bit as we bring home the podcast for the evening. And uh, it's a relatively big round. And uh, we start off with... Come on, website, where are you? Start out with Richmond versus Collingwood at the MCG Thank on you. Friday Night Football. And, uh, yeah, it's a relatively big game. Richmond and Collingwood both coming off losses. How do we uh, see this? Look, I actually look at this game with not the view of who the winner is, but who the lo- loser is. It's it's almost more, um, you know, where they're going to sit. One of these clubs will be one and three at the end of this. And the pressure, I think Richmond escaped the spotlight last week with their narrow loss to the Western Bulldogs because they're probably overshadowed with Carlton's crap performance. But looking at this, the spotlight's really going to come on one of these sides that I'd say at the start of the year, both of them are considered, you know, top eight sides. And certain people probably thought Richmond were top four, but uh, probably got a nice uh, reality check with their first few. But it really, it, this to me, as a, as a neutral, these two sides, it's going to be the loser that, for me, I'm gonna sort of revel in watching, not the winner. I, yep. oh, I would think that I would think this is this is going to be a Collingwood winning. Um, Richmond, I and Wookie will attest. I've been a big booster for Richmond over the the long and exalted history of this podcast. I'm the Richmond believer, and and really they've been very disappointed. They have not proved, improved one iota this year, not one iota, and, and which means a number of teams have gone past them and. And uh, I think Collingwood will win this. Yep. Especially when hearing that Deledio is going to be out and it looks like all those concerns for Collingwood, like Beams and uh, I don't know who else, but it was um, testy, but it looks like they're all going to pull up fine. Yeah. It's not Deledio, though. It's Rance that's the big killer because Travis Cloak is going to yeah. have a feast. He got seven last time. And also, I had something else. Uh, that, that was... uh, also, another thing that should happen is Richmond, Damien Hardwick. You have one of the best forwards in the league and you're using him as a decoy for Tyrone Vickery. <laughs> yeah. Turn it up, son. Turn it up. I mean, yeah. honestly, yeah. they need to get Reward into the game. They got Reward in. Second half, they became better. <laughs> All right, Saturday afternoon, Carlton playing Melbourne at the MCG for some oh, reason. This is going to be a terrible game and I'm going to back Melbourne in for this. Purely on the basis of the fact that their midfield is a lot harder than Carlton's, and they will get Chris Dawes, who will add. He's not a superstar, but he will at least add three goals. So, and Carlton don't really have any tall forwards, so that will mean Frawley could be sent forward. So I'm going for Melbourne in an upset. Okay, I think the rest. Carlton. I'm Carlton. I'm expecting yeah, a soccer scoreline of um, 2-1 or 3-1, um, and that's points, <laughs> not goals. Oh. Who, who wins on the away goals rule? All yeah. right. Melbourne will. Melbourne will. Also, said, also said that afternoon from Adelaide Oval, Port v Brisbane. Oh, Port Adelaide. I, I think there's no question that Port Adelaide are going to steamroll them. 60 plus. Yeah. No, yeah, no yeah. rich. And, and Daniel Merritt is lucky that he's going to be playing in t- two weeks' time. Yeah, it's that was margin of the round. Raceful. That was just especially when you compare merits with five. I'm just oh, I can't believe. No, it. no, no, no. You're, you're, you're absolutely spot on there. Yeah. Saturday... If I had to buy a new TV this week, I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> Saturday evening, GWS have the Western Bulldogs at uh, Skoda. Well, spotless. I've gone for the Giants because the Bulldogs will not have defenders to go against the tools of the Giants. I don't know if anyone has. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm that's, going. It's a uh, very tall forward line. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm. Go, I'm going Bulldogs because I think the Bulldogs midfield will get over the Giants midfield. If the Giants midfield can get up, I reckon their forward line will be able to kick a good score against the Bulldogs. But I just think the midfield battle will be won by the Dogs. Bulldogs with no conviction, but uh, to me, Jonathan Patton, he just got. He reminds me of the young Tom Hawkins. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's got the say. It's and and, for, and 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 the good and the bad of all of that. There's not a lot happens. It's one lead and then no effort. And I think mm. once he gets that second effort, he's going to be really spectacular. Mm. I'm going for GWS in a close one, just so they can uh, hang in the eight for the, another week. Uh, GWS for me, um, I think uh, they're onto a good thing up there. They, they, whatever they're doing, whatever they've got going is working for them. Their not players seedy. are combining. Their coaching's working. I, I think I think they can do this. And I, I think by decent margin, I, I think we're, we're looking at like three or four goals. Mm. Um, Geelong West Coast Saturday night at Skilled Stadium Geelong, out, out of Geelong, Geelong. I, I think we're all going for Geelong 10 there. goals plus yeah. oh, I, I think it'll be close to about that. 10 goals if you actually look at West Coast's out I think they've lost a bit for their only handful of good players um, and when you really stack up I, I can't remember the last few Geelong West Coast results but I see their midfield, like Bartel, Varco, just a lot of players just absolutely causing carnage against their slow, crap, useless midfield. Let yeah. the hate flow through you, Ooh, Feels good. Ugh. Lenny Hayes was outpacing West Coast midfield. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's not a good sign. 34-year-old yes. man. <laughs> that's not a good sign at all. No. Uh, where are we? Geelong, uh, Gold Coast versus Hawthorne from Metricon Stadium at the same time the, whole, uh, the Geelong game's on. Uh, Hawthorne will pants them yeah. big time, I reckon. Uh, Hawthorne have done not much wrong at the start of the season. They've come out the blocks really quick. My only concern for them at making a you know really good run at the flag is hopefully they don't burn themselves out too early. Cause I've seen a lot of teams run out the blocks real fast at the start of the season and then just fall short at the end. But at this stage, they're not putting the foot wrong. They'll win easy. Suns v Hawks is the national broadcast game, so you'll get that in Melbourne on free to air. Oh, that's a okay. shame. I was hoping to watch it in HD. Um, <laughs> I, oh, you Brian Taylor, same big boy. Uh, I believe. I actually. I might. I, I am. I am under the impression that McAvoy will not play in this game. Uh, I think the only player Hawthorne is going to get back for this game will be Ben Stratton, and he'll probably uh, take Angus Litherland's spot. So we will see for the fourth week in a row Kyle Cheney playing key defensive backman. <laughs> And um, he's he has been actually really quite surprising. I'm quite impressed. He's it's not that he's can play tall. It's he knows where to where to put his body. And there's a couple of younger, taller guys in the in the in the boxing hawks who are being overlooked for a guy who is six foot two um, and playing uh, key key backman. But yeah, I, I would hope that Hawthorne will uh, will win that one. Alrighty, I think t- Hawthorne over Gary Ablett is going to be a, a nice close game. I'm expecting this in, in the wet conditions up there at night. It's always dewy. Um, many struggle, even though there are precision kicking side, as I just witnessed on Friday. I think that type of game plan and dewy conditions might play into Gold Coast's favour, but it's still probably going to go Hawks' way in a narrow margin between yeah. two and three goals. Well, in, in a, in a his- this is a bit of a history sliding doors thing. I was watching uh, Tuesday night football, and they they showed Geelong versus Hawthorne at Cadinia Park in 1996, and Chris Langford was playing on Gary Ablett Senior, <laughs> and I predict this Saturday night you will see young, young uh, 
Young Langford playing on Ablett Junior. Well, that, that would be serendipity, wouldn't it? Yes. Moving into Sunday afternoon, and we've got Sydney and North Melbourne at the SCG. Sydney. 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 Ah, now, now. Ab, ab, first game for Lance Franklin on the SCG? Ooh. No, I think they had... Didn't they have one last week, yeah. week four? No, they played at the Cow Paddock, at Skoda, and they played at the Adelaide Oval. I was really interested about that Adelaide Oval game. They stuck him in the square, and he did something that I'd been begging him to do for years. Lead for the bloody ball. I thought you meant tackle. No, no, no. <laughs> Handball. No, no, he, um, he lead for the ball, and he looks so much better than when he stops and props and tries to have the ball come to him and do some trickery. Lead for the ball, take the bloody mark. And I think... If he can do that, they've, they're onto something. Sydney, I, just like I, I think they'll beat North Melbourne. I'd just like him to get rid of the arc now. Um, yeah. St Kilda and Adelaide at Etihad on Sunday afternoon. Ooh, I'm back in St Kilda. Back in St Kilda. Good record. Not by much. Yeah, we have good record at Stadium. Uh, with the, with the stadium for Nickery was in supreme touch. Um, and I've heard Dangerfield might be doubtful as well to make it mm, up and really mm, puts mm. in Saints' favour. And we're getting... Oh. Stephen could potentially come in. So, I'm backing us, which is surprising, because I never thought I'd say this four weeks ago, but I think we could beat Adelaide. All right, Sunday afternoon as well, and I think this will be the match of the round. Uh, no. We're, we're talking Fremantle-Essendon. I mean, I think it's close. It's either this or, jo- or Gold Coast Hawthorne is going to be the match of the round when you look at the fixture. I think Carlton-Melbourne. Yes, I, I know what you guys night. picked sarcastically. But Fremantle-Essendon, Sunday afternoon at Patterson Stadium. Fremantle. going to come out like they're going to be pissed off. They're going to want to hurt Essendon. Just if Ross Lyon gets them fired up. So I do not know what's going to happen here. It's funny because from a Freo's perspective, I actually think this is a real danger game. Most people saying on our board this week it's a 50-50. I actually think it's a 60-40 in front of... Essendon's favour, we're still missing Fife and Barlow from the guts, and that was evident the way we played on Friday. Yeah, we've got Dawson coming back, we may throw in Clark, and Sylvia might get his first run, and Clancy Pierce, but I think the missing key components of our midfield to latch on to what Sandlands does is going to be hard to cover, and I might even tip Essendon this week and go against my own side, and Frankly, I'm not going to be too concerned if we lose this. We'll be sitting two and two, but we did last year sit two and two and still finish third. So I'm even backing, you know, if, if they bring out um, some Masada findings or something to fuel them and get their effort all up for Sunday, um, you'd even tip it in their favour more because they always seem to do that, um, come up against us at the right time. But hey, they're playing Essendon early in the season. Okay, just... I... No, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on. Freeman are going to win this, and they're going to win well. It's not going to be a problem. Paul Chapman's not going to travel. And I honestly don't think Essendon have got enough of a forward line to kick goals, enough goals to beat Fremantle. And I, I think Fremantle are going to win this by six goals. No problem. Okay. Checks in the mail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm with Seppo on this one. I reckon it's just about 55-45, in Essendon's favour. Yep. Um, I think I think uh, Freo will win this comfortably. Yes. Um, I, I don't think there'll be any problems here for Freo. I think it'll be a good game, don't get me wrong. It's not going to be a, a, a whitewash, but uh, I think Freo will get over this probably three or four goals. Now, uh, just before we move on to what we look forward to this weekend, 
my favourite game of the season comes up next weekend, and it's Geelong Hawthorne. Uh, Ooh, it doesn't it. And uh, <coughs> on the on the on the public holiday Monday, the Easter Monday tradition. And uh, I think this is my favourite game for the season for no other reason other than it's the only time of the year you get messy nervous. Oh no, Brick, bricks, bricks get shat that week. Absolutely. And then the week after, he doesn't appear on the podcast for some reason. Oh, actually, you know what? I, I won't be actually appearing. Oh, hang on. Hang on. What's, I'm just having a look. Hang on. Can we do the Hawthorne review? I think we'll uh, put you in focus the week after that. <laughs> we'll get oh, having a look. No, no. Actually, you know what? I would be... It's the week after that I won't be on. But no, no, I'll, I'll get be... SJ on to do the review. <laughs> so... I'll, I, I'll, I'll front... I will front. You heard it we here first, people. You heard it here first. We lose or yeah. All right, yeah, guys. Let's... Running out of time. Running out of time. What do you look forward to for this round? Go, happy dude. Oh, hopefully a win. <laughs> that's about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, actually, that's that's talk about deflating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing at a time. Seppo, what are you looking forward to, Matt? Um, the loser out of the first game of the round of Friday night. Meltdowns. Excellent. Yes, microwaves are plenty. And uh, uh, Cookson? Ooh, probably, hopefully, Eli Templeton getting rising star. He's rejuvenated the place. Ran 18 minutes against West Coast. Uh, Templeton, Temple go. And uh, Messenger? The slow unravelling of Paul Ruse. <laughs> he's, he's, he's morphing into Malcolm Blight in front of our very eyes. You reckon he'll be gone after six rounds? Uh, I, I, I don't think there'll be a contract extension sign, put it that way. Yeah. It's going to be too hard. We'll get Messenger on the grey hair watch. You can <laughs> count them all. Oh, unless he starts rocking the Eli Templeton on us. All right, chaps, any last comments, observations you want to make before we uh, sign off? Yes, if anything killed a support, dresses up like a farmyard animal, you'll get punched <laughs> in the face. You sit. <laughs> go down and dress up like a farmyard that. animal. <laughs> I might, I might go to that game. Just honestly, because... if the if the Saints don't run out to old McDonald had a farm, I'm gonna cry. All right, stick around, guys. We're gonna do the re, uh, the uh, the <laughs> we're gonna do the overview for Saint Kilda uh, after this. But thank you very much for coming on tonight. Uh, thanks, Messenger. No, thank you. <laughs> thanks, Cookson. Sayonara, y'all. Thanks, Happy Dude. You're welcome. And thank you, Seppo. Thanks for having me on tonight. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you all on the forums.